Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Giants Goal Line. I'm Ralph Bacchiano, the NFL Insider at SNY and SNY.TV. And I got to tell you, the last thing I expected was to be covering a 10-win Giants team. But, hey, here they are after a big 17-6 win over the Detroit Lions over the weekend. You know, we said that uh, we'd have to see in December whether they were for real or not after what was a weak six-game winning streak in the middle of the season. But... No matter how it happened, beating the Dallas Cowboys 10-7 and then beating the Detroit Lions 17-6, that's two division leaders, by the way, that legitimizes this team and that absolutely legitimizes this defense holding any NFL teams to a combined 13 points and one touchdown in two weeks is absolutely amazing. To do it to two division winners is really incredible. We're going to talk about all of that and the resiliency of this defense First, they lose Jason Pierre-Paul. Then Janoris Jenkins goes down early in the game against the Lions, and yet still they don't seem to skip a beat. We'll talk about that. We'll discuss the offense's performance. It came in with a uh, huge fourth-quarter drive that was somewhat unexpected for them. And, uh, you know, we still need more. Still need more out of Eli Manning. It's not enough, I don't think, to get them through a playoff run, but uh, we'll discuss his situation on the offense as well. And, a look back a little bit at what was possibly Victor Cruz's final home game because he's in a situation where with his contract, with his production this year, he's not a guarantee to come back next season. And with the Giants finishing the season with two games on the road um, and the likelihood now that they will be on the road for the entire uh, postseason as long as they're alive, you may never see Victor Cruz salsing in the MetLife Stadium end zone again. So, We'll look back at that and some of his thoughts on his possible final game. And we will talk with one of my favorite all-time Giants. And uh, maybe he won't go down as one of the all-time greats, but he should because there were a few better at his position over um, many, many years. Now, Jeff Fiegels, the former Giants punter, does some uh, post-game and pre-game work for the team as well. We'll bring him on to talk about uh, where the Giants are, what he sees out of them, and whether this is starting to remind him of a Super Bowl run. Uh, he's certainly familiar with the, some of the great Giants teams and what they're capable of. And, uh, you know, some people are seeing some similarities. Maybe Jeff has seen him as well. We'll talk to him about that. But first, we begin with the amazing resiliency of this defense. Honestly, when Jason Pierre-Paul went down, it sure looked like the Giants were going to be in a lot of trouble because he was not just one of their best players, but a key to Olivier Vernon being a uh, force in the pass rush. Vernon didn't come off as a guy who could get it done all by himself. And then Jason Pierre-Paul goes down, and what happens? Romeo Aquara rises out of nowhere in the game against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, he came back to earth a little bit in the next game, but the Giants still got pressure on Matthew Stafford. Uh, not as much, but enough in a game where they needed some by combinations of blitzes, some great Coaching from Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, who shows again that when he's been when he's given players, his schemes are very, very good. And his failures in recent stints were more had much more to do with the lack of talent at his disposal. But then Janoris Jenkins goes down. He get, takes a knee to the back from uh, an inadvertent knee to the back from Trevin Wade, his teammate. Um, 
Giants don't believe it's terribly serious, but it's a short week. They play again on Thursday night in Philadelphia. His status is unknown. He goes down. Two plays later, Matthew Stafford targets Dominique Rogers Cromarty, uh, gets off a huge pass, huge uh, touchdown. Um, Dominique actually saved the touchdown. Rogers Cromarty uh, recovered, but it was a huge pass play uh, over his head. And it looked like, okay, well, this is where they're going to go. They're going to go after him. But the Giants showed their depth and their ability, their amazing ability to find ways to make plays. Rogers Cromartie picked up the slack after that. You saw Leon Hall, who had been buried at times on the inactive chart, uh, suddenly gets a, causes a fumble by leaning his helmet uh, into a play. It makes the play that uh, you know the Giants were hoping a veteran corner like him would be able to make late in the season. You saw... Eli Apple pick up his game as well. So uh, this Giants defense is deeper than I think we realized, and they have this knack. Everybody always says next man up, and it's a cliche, but they have a knack for finding ways to just make enough plays to win, and they have become, I don't know if there's any real other way to say this, they are a dominant defense right now, and the stats may not reflect it. They may not reflect it in the the charts, uh, the the rankings, but right now, over the last seven, eight weeks, there's no defense anywhere playing better than they are. Unfortunately for the Giants, their offense has not done the same. They were they, they hit 300 yards yesterday, exactly, uh, on Sunday, exactly. And um, it was the first time in four games that they hit that mark. It's sort of pathetic that this offense that was once top 10 has devolved into something that is lucky to get to 300 yards. We used to expect 300-yard passing games out of Eli Manning, and now he's lucky to get 200, 200-plus 200 yards. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues there. The, the offensive line was better with Justin Pugh back. They relied more on the running game, and they got over 100 yards. Paul Perkins is starting to come along. But, you know, as long as that offensive line is not blocking well, you're not getting the downfield passes. Eli Manning doesn't have the time to really let those plays develop his receivers dropping way too many passes for him, all of which are uh, huge issues. But I keep coming back to the same thing. The giants have paid a lot of money over the years for Eli Manning to Eli Manning. So he would be an elite quarterback. He needs to find a way to be better because as much as he is being let down by his line and his receivers and his tight ends, there are absolutely plays out there where he's missing an open receiver or throwing the ball way over the open receiver's head. He has to get back to playing at an elite level because it's not going to be easy for the Giants. They have um, you know, games at Philadelphia and at Washington to end the season. Now, they're probably going to the playoffs, probably going in as a wild card, but they, you know, it would be nice if they win one of those games the rest of the way. Uh, they've been much better at home than they've been on the road this season. They finished their home slate seven and one. They're going to be going on the road the rest of the way and then on the road in the playoffs. Now, they did that in their last, their big Super Bowl run back in 2007. All the games on the road, they were mostly on the road in 2011. But at both of those times, Eli Manning was playing at an elite level. If you're going to win on the road, you don't need just a defense. You don't need just a running game. You need your quarterback to rise up in those big occasions in fourth quarters. You saw it briefly. The Giants had one big fourth quarter drive, and that was huge because it was a 10-6 game, and they just needed to hold on to the ball and keep the clock moving, and they ended up with a touchdown. It was a 
beautiful, brilliant one-handed grab by Odell Beckham, but it sealed the game when it happened. Um, we need more of that in the fourth quarter, more of that throughout the game. The Giants had the opening drive that was great, that drive in the fourth quarter, and in between, not a lot of anything. If they have to go on the road to Detroit, on the road to Atlanta, maybe on the road to Green Bay, Seattle, Dallas, all those places in the playoffs, it's not going to be easy unless Eli Manning starts playing better, playing up to the way the Giants expect. Now, Sunday, possibly the final home game of Victor Cruz's wonderful career with the Giants. And I just want to take a moment to uh, talk a little bit about that. He had one catch, which is about standard for him nowadays, 29 yards. Uh, he had a drop in there. Not a great game, but none of these have been great games for him. He's only had 29 catches on the season for 495 yards. I interviewed him for SNY TV coming off the field, and as he was coming over to us, I noticed him looking around a little bit. And he admitted later he was really taking it all in. He wanted to see the crowd, listen to them, feel it, get a, a sense of his surroundings because he understands the business. And the business for him is that he makes a lot of money. He had to take a huge pay cut just to stay uh, on the team this year. Otherwise, the Giants would have cut him. And now he heads into next season. He's due a nine, I'm sorry, a $6.4 million salary. His cap number is $9.4 million. The Giants can save about $7.5 million in cap space by cutting him. Now, they don't want to cut him. They think that he is uh, a terrific influence in the locker room. They believe that he is a valuable presence on their team. But the money is the money, and Victor Cruz is a 30-year-old receiver who is clearly not what he used to be. He has come off two major injuries, and now with only 29 catches on, on pace for really numbers that aren't even great for a third receiver. Um Victor Cruz has had 293 catches, 4,500 yards, three great seasons with the Giants. It's going to be sad if this is the end. Maybe he takes a big, big pay cut and comes back as a fourth receiver, a mentor in the room. But I think even he sensed that it's probably going to be time for the Giants to move on. And uh, it's a wonderful career for a kid that came absolutely out of nowhere at a Patterson, New Jersey nearby barely made the team, barely stuck with the team, then exploded for that magical year in 2011. Uh, I just want to say this about Victor Cruz. I don't know that there's anybody I've ever covered, and I've been doing this since the early 1990s. I don't know if there's anybody that I've ever covered who has enjoyed playing the game more or just enjoyed being around football more than Victor Cruz. He took absolute advantage of every moment of his career, every moment of his celebrity, and it was a thrill uh, and a joy to watch. Anyway, maybe it's not the end. We'll find out in the offseason about that. And, of course, Cruz has two more games and some playoff games left to go. Right now, though, I want to talk about the Giants' potential in the playoffs. And I want to bring in uh, a broadcaster who works for the team and uh, the greatest punter I ever covered, a member of their uh, 2007 championship team and a great, great guy as well, and that's Jeff Fields. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Hey, Ralph, I'm doing good. Thank you. Just uh, out doing a little Christmas shopping today, and uh, glad to spend a couple minutes with you this afternoon. Well, I appreciate you uh, joining us, interrupting your shopping, which reminds me I'm going to have to do some of that when uh, we get off the phone. Um, <laughs> it is a, it's a festive time of year around the Giants these days. I, I don't know that I expected coming into this season that they would be anywhere near a 10-win team. Have they exceeded your expectations? Well, I, I think that 
you know, coming off the last couple of years, it's uh, six wins and, you know, and really when we were all looking at this division, I don't think that we, I think that we all would agree that nine wins was probably going to win the division. But um, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I do. I think 10 games is a little bit more than what I expected out of the team this year. But I certainly think that a lot of us will agree that we didn't think that the defense was going to be this good, but I thought it was going to be improved. But the way the defense has been playing this year, it, it certainly, to me, it's uh, the 10 wins is justified by all means. Yeah, you know, the, the defense was interesting because, and they were so bad last year, when they went out and spent the, you know, $200 million in contracts and brought in players, I figured, well, they have to be better because they've got better players on the team now. But usually free agency isn't a quick fix. This has been startling, and it's really been more than just Olivier Vernon, Damon Harris, and Janoris Jenkins. They've gotten contributions from all over the place. Well, I think I, you're right, and I think so. When we talk about depth and, uh, you know, what what Jerry Reese and his scouting staff went out and found uh, depth at those positions. But I think really when you talk about this team, and, and obviously every team has injuries, but the history with the Giants, uh, you know, recently in the last three or four years has all been about injuries. And I think when you go back and look at what the Giants did in the offseason and bringing in Aaron Weller, the new strength and conditioning coach, the way that McAdoo has been able to do some things during the week where you know they no longer have Tuesdays off. They have Mondays off. So, and that's a, that's a different, that's different for, for veteran players. But I think all of that going into it, and when you look at the success that this team is having, it's because this team has been healthy. Now, we know we lost JPP, but I feel that you know the, the way that O'Quara has played last week and in the last two weeks, that's a gem for them to find someone like that. So the depth has been there for the Giants, and, and it's really helping them through uh, the season so far. It is kind of amazing because you're right. In past years, they've had more talent than they've gotten credit for, but most of that talent was ended up on the sidelines or the injured list. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you can't forget last year they were in most of their games, but they blew five fourth quarter leads that sort of threw it all away. It, I, I've sort of wondered this and I don't know if it's this simple but maybe you'd have a better perspective on it Tom Coughlin obviously didn't have the same level of players and he didn't certainly didn't have the same level of injury luck could he have had the same kind of success with this team or is that not being fair to Ben McAdoo to say that another coach could have come in and done the same job well I think when you look at defensively you got a guy like Spagnola who you have all the confidence in the world about Putting, putting the team together on the field when they go out and spend that much money. Now, when we look about the offense, okay, and I think it's probably not, not fair, but I will tell you that as we, we both <laughs> sit there and try to figure out what is wrong with this offense, I went back and I said to myself, okay, was, was Jeff Schwartz that much of an asset? You know, he was in and out of the lineup all last year, and he was hurt. Okay, what about Reuben Randall? I mean, is, is Sterling Shepard better than Reuben Randall was last year? And I, I have a feeling I have to say that probably the answer to that is yes. Um, the offensive line is all the same. You, get, you added Victor Cruz. So what really got me was I was sitting there going, how much of an input did Tom Coughlin have into this offense last year? Because that's really the missing component to me with this offense. When, when you look at who's on the field and, and what they added, um, and I, and, you know, so, but I think that, that he's done a good job and I think that there, you know, he has been, uh, I think the players have really adjusted to, to McAdoo's system and, 
you know, it, last last night's game or yesterday's game, I saw a little bit of continuity with the offense. Now getting Justin Pugh back, and hopefully that'll help them going forward. We look at that offense. That offensive line has what's been kind of what bothered oh. me all all season long. Yeah. Um, it's it looks to me like you know I, I I hate to you know Eli Manning obviously hasn't had his finest season, and you know I trust him probably more than anybody else in that offense. But it looks to me like everything he tries to do is rushed, and that's one of the reasons of why the offense isn't the big play offense anymore. Is can they succeed if that offensive line doesn't improve? Well, what I think is going to happen is is that when you, when you have a defense like they do, yes, you can stay in games to a certain point, but every team that you go up in against in the in the National Football League in the playoffs, you know, most of them are going to be putting up points. Um, now you have a good defense, so how much longer can can the Giants team go with with scoring ten and seventeen points going through? But um, you know, I, I don't think. I think there's got to be a better play out of all of them, and I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, Ralph, and anybody else. But the offensive line to me is, is the problem, and I think that every one of them have to understand that they've got to have to play better, especially Eric Flowers. I just think that a huge injection into that offensive line is getting Justin Pugh back, both from a leadership standpoint, uh, you know, and he's just a guy that's real gritty, and you know, he's going to get other guys to play well around him. Do you sense, um, when, of course, you played on the uh, 2007 championship team that, you know, from much, to me, we all vastly underrated that team. That, you know, we everybody was surprised by you guys when you sure. came out of nowhere, supposedly. But you showed the next year that you get there was a lot of talent there. But when I look back on that, the missing ingredient for most of the year was Eli, and then things clicked with him, and you went on this incredible run. Regardless of that, do you sense that this team is starting to get that championship feeling at the right time, and that you know maybe things are clicking in different ways for them right at the right possible moment? Absolutely, I think that when you look at that team in '07, that we clicked at the right time, and um, you know going into the playoffs, we, we the offense got hot, we were able to run the football. Now I don't think this team will be able to run the football like they did then, but. Um, I, I just think that, you know, having over 100 yards rushing yesterday um, against, a, you know, not a great defense, but at least they got it done. Um, and I think that as long as this team can get confidence, and really, Ralph, when you think about it, get it together at the beginning of the football season and say, okay, guys, listen, we got four preseason games, we've got 16 regular season games, and if we're a wild card team, we're going to have to play three more to get in the Super Bowl. This Giants team has two regular season games left. We, I, we all think pretty much know that they're going to make the playoffs. And after that, they, they've got three more. They're five games away from being in the Super Bowl. And, and, and if I'm you know, in the, that room telling these younger guys, we're close. So I think they are close. And I think that that defense can get them over the top. Just the offense is going to have to play better. Yeah. And they also, of course, um, you know, they have two road games to finish the season and then – you know, they're most likely, barring a surprise in the division, they're going to be on the road the rest of the mm-hmm. way in the playoffs, which is, of course, what you guys did back in 2007. How tough yeah, is Yeah, but I'll tell you what was funny about that is we were a better road team than we were a home team. The Giants this year are a better home team than they are a road team. <laughs> you know? it, it is, so it's they, right. It's exactly right. How, how tough is it to be a good road team? What, what kind of mentality do you have to have? Focus. Focus, focus, and just, you know, uh, I, I feel like 
and again, I think because this team is getting so close to uh, to that pinnacle, um, that the focus will be there. And and really, it's just all about not turning the ball over, which is something the Giants didn't do offensively yesterday for the first time in I mean maybe twice all year. But that's the big key. I mean, if you've got a good defense and you can't and you don't turn it over on the road, and and uh, then you got a chance. But this team has. You know, 24 turnovers in 14 games. That's uh, they're going to have to eliminate that. But really, to answer your question, I, I think they can if they can eliminate the turnovers offensively and create them on defense. They have a chance on the road. They really do. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see. Uh, they've certainly surprised me and a lot of other people this year. So I can't count them out the rest of the way. No doubt about that. <laughs> I know, really. Yeah. I don't think you know. I, I think was... we all can say that because. And and it sure is nice to you know for for us to cover the team and work with the team things like that. Uh, just the last few years have just been uh, like putting a square peg in a round hole. But you know now I, I, you're looking at these games and 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 really I keep saying the defense because the defense gives me confidence that the, that the Giants can win every week now. And I think that's uh, that's kind of a cozy feeling going going forward in this holiday season. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no question. Jeff, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that and your insights. And uh, I say nobody knows uh, better about a championship team than you do since you played on one. So uh, really appreciate your, you. uh, your, your uh, joining us today. Oh, you're welcome, Ralph. As always, pre- pleasure uh, speaking with you. And um, happy holidays to you and your family and all your fans and all that good stuff. And we'll, we'll see you around. Thanks, Jeff. Happy holidays to you and yours as well. Well, that was Jeff Fiegels, uh, the great Giants punter um, and member of the 2007 championship team. Um, and like he said, you know, that team was a much better road team than a home team. And they they were the road warriors. They ended up going on that incredible run um, in the playoffs, all road games to get to the Super Bowl. And he's right. I mean, when you talk about what it takes to get there, it's focus, focus, focus. That team... First of all, and confidence, I would add that too. That team believed it was going to win wherever it went to play. And it was, the focus of it was unbelievable on how they, you know, there was no thought of the game, anything other than the game in front of them, uh, their job that they had to do. Um, even at the time, you could sort of sense that. Could, again, they were a little bit, to most people, unexpected. They were playing game after game where nobody thought they were going to win. And they managed to do it. So there was no reason for them to think beyond or think about the New England Patriots, um, their undefeated machine waiting for them. They just needed to get through the teams they had to get through. And each week they found a way. It remains to be seen if this team uh, will find a way or not. By the way, if you want to get Jeff Beagle's commentary uh, on the game, um, on any of the games, on the Giants season, you can follow him on Twitter at jfeagles. Um, and you can also listen to him. He's on uh, WFAN as well. Does a great job being an analyst for the Giants. Um, all right, let's look a little bit before we close at where the Giants stand in the conference because let's face it, they are um, at 10 and 4 right now. They're the number, well, they're not the number two seed. They're going to be probably the number five seed in the playoffs, but they're the second best team record wise. And when you look around the conference, it's really hard to see a team better than them at this point. And I know that's a big jump for me from a couple of weeks ago when I wasn't sure about this team, but I told you back then, you know, they'd prove their worth in December and beating the Cowboys and beating the Lions, the leaders of the NFC East and NFC North, is absolutely proving how legitimate they are. The Cowboys are the only team record-wise in front of them. The Giants beat them twice. 
so you can't say the Cowboys are a better team. You can't say the Lions are a better team. Um, the only other ones that seem close, the Atlanta Falcons were leading the NFC South. Uh, you know, that's another team with big defensive issues. Uh, they win shootouts, and even their offense is starting to sputter a little bit. Julio Jones, their number one receiver, has been out with a toe injury. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, they're at 9-4-1. and one. They are right now positioned as the number two seed, but they are, you know, while they have a terrific defense, they're not the team they used to be. They're not as intimidating as they used to be. Now, if they're the number two seed, the Giants at some point may end up having to go to Seattle, and that is an incredibly difficult place to go and win. The Seahawks, not surprisingly, are 7-0 and at home. So them getting some sort of home field advantage is absolutely imperative. And I don't know that I would pick the Giants to win a game there. I, honestly, that game is going to be going to end up being like 9-7 if it ever happens. But the Seahawks are a very difficult team at home. But they've had their issues as well. Their offense has not clicked. Their defense is not quite as dominant as it used to be. The team that, honestly, I think if I were the Giants, I would worry a little bit about. They're looming a little bit in the background. But the Green Bay Packers now, with a schedule advantage, with four straight wins, are at 8-6, and six, one game behind the Detroit Lions. And they might end up winning the NFC North. And the Giants could end up with a first-round trip to Green Bay. And... In bad weather, a Giants team that can't run the ball, that struggles a little throwing the ball against a Packers team that had a lot of success against them up in Green Bay earlier in the season, that might end up being the most difficult matchup of all for the Giants. I don't fear them going into Dallas or Atlanta or Detroit, but Green Bay or Seattle are the two teams that I would watch. But honestly, I don't know that uh, their Giants are not better than all of them. Um, you can't at this point, as unbelievable as it sounds to me, you can't uh, rule them out as being the best team in the NFC. Now, they are much better at home, as Jeff Eagles said. They're 7-1 and one at home, only 3-3 three and three on the road. Two big road games to close the season, two division games. They're always tough. At Philadelphia, the Eagles don't have a lot to play for, but uh, you know who knows what their motivation will be. Uh, that's this Thursday night, short week, Thursday night football always a bit of a crapshoot, and then they close on what possibly could be a big game for the Washington Redskins on New Year's Day down in Washington, uh, another tough game. It would be nice to see the Giants close out with some momentum, especially with two games on the road. That would go a long way towards giving them confidence as they embark on the road in the postseason. Now, the NFC East is not out of the realm of possibility. The Cowboys would have to lose twice. The Giants would have to win twice. That's the only way that it happens. Then they're tied at 12-4, and four and the Giants win on the tiebreaker. But um, I would say stay focused on the wild card. That is more, much more likely. The Giants are in if they win on Thursday night, and you know then they become the Road Warriors to see if they can do what that 07 team did, what that 2011 team eventually had to do as well. Uh, it's not going to be easy. This team is not built the same. Both of those teams were able to run the ball. The 2011 team was able to run the ball late. This team showing a little bit of signs, maybe not consistently. Justin Pugh coming back to the offensive line helps that out. Paul Perkins starting to get more carries. Maybe that helps it out a little bit. So there's time in the last two weeks for them to click. There's time for, time for Eli Manning to click, but uh, they're not quite there with their predecessors yet. As I said with Jeff Eagles, that 2017 vastly underrated, had way more talent than most people thought. And that 2011 team was unbelievably hot. 
and clicked, put everything together absolutely at the right time. We're not quite there yet in 2016, but you can't rule them out. The signs are there. And again, other, unless they're stuck going to Green Bay or Seattle, there aren't a lot of places where I would really worry about whether the Giants have a chance to win because they stack up there with pretty much every team in the conference. That's it for this edition of Giants Goal Line. It's a short week, Thursday night football, the Giants at Philadelphia. That could be the clinching party win and they're in. We'll be back next week to recap the whole thing. I want to thank Jeff Fiegels uh, for joining us again. Uh, you can listen to him on WFAN. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Fiegels. I want to thank Jason Pateri, my producer, Adam Schaefer, uh, doing his technical wizardry back at the studio. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week right here on Giants Goal Line. This has been Giants Goal Line, part of the SNY.TV audio network.